Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know Employee Cycle. We're that people dashboard out there that's helping all of you HR and people leaders get rid of that tedious, manual, and time-consuming process you call HR reporting. That's right. We know when you want to understand all the data and metrics behind your workforce, you log into all your different HR systems and manually pull out those spreadsheets to try to tell a data-driven story about your people. But we also know that you're constantly thinking there has to be a better way. Well, look no further because Employee Cycle is here to the rescue. Go to EmployeeCycle.com to check out our people dashboard and learn how we connect to all the most popular HR systems you're using. Systems like Bamboo HR, ADP, Velocity, Trinet, Namely, 15.5, Greenhouse, Lever, Reflective, Lattice, so many systems are running out of breath. You simply connect your systems to our people dashboard, put them all into one place so you can view, track, share, and analyze all your people data from one place. Go to EmployeeCycle.com, check it out, and schedule a demo so you can learn how we can automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Krista Babel. She's the Senior Director of Talent Strategy at SRS Aquium. And today we're going to discuss what does the employer brand look like in 2021? Krista, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Krista! Wow, I wish I had that every time I entered a room. Thank you so much for having me. For $5 in appearance, I will show up <laughs> every time you enter a room to clap <laughs> behind me just like that. I love it. All right. So, Krista, I know you've listened to a few of our episodes before. So, yes. you know that we're going to kick off this interview by asking you our very important question, which is How did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Oh, my goodness. Really, I started out in marketing and um, sales, and I found that at the company I worked at at the time, there was an employee referral program, and the head of HR came to me and said, "Um, you've supplemented your income with about $10,000 worth of employee referrals this year. What, like how, like how, how is your network so big? How do you, you know, understand our culture and our brand and our core values? So it really was a little bit of osmosis that marketing and sales and, you know, really being a culture champion and ambassador of the core values that I was like, maybe, maybe I should get into recruiting. And so recruiting is really um, core uh, talent acquisition or attraction. And we'll talk about employer brand in a minute. That all really resonated with me, right? With the, the DNA of marketing. Um, and then over the course of cough, cough, a decade or two, um, I've really been able to dip my toes into a variety of HR, um, of the HR suite from brand recognition, engagement, retention, learning and development, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and other things I'm passionate about. But what I'm really proud of is that because I kind of started more on that operational side of the business, I've been able to kind of have a career that's um, helped me to be motivated by metrics and ROI for business. So I can talk to my leaders and say, I'm not just here to support your growth. I'm here to help you, you know, build, build a great team, build a great company and so forth. So that's really how I kind of landed where I landed. And, and, uh, here I am now with you. 
Well, thanks for that context. And you know we love a data-driven HR person. Yes. If it wasn't measured, it didn't happen. That's my little motto. There we go. I like it. (laughs) So today we're talking about what does the employer brand look like in 2021? Now, usually when I would ask this question, it's typically what was it before and then what do you think about moving forward? But we had this little thing called COVID happen. And so now I think we need to break it into three different sections. So first, I want to go into what did employer brand look like pre-COVID? And then how did it change, if you believe it changed at all, during COVID? And then how do you think it's going to morph and transition into something totally different post-COVID or 2021 and beyond? So let's start with the past four or five years of employer brand pre-COVID. What did that look like? How do you define it? What did that include? Well, I can answer a couple of things, and I want a, a disclosure, as you know, from exactly what you talked about with COVID and the pandemic. I'm crossing my fingers that no dogs or online school learners in the background interrupt our call. So forgive that in advance, but we should be okay. Yeah, I, I kind of have a little bit of an all, a larger answer, but I think I can break it down where it, it marries where the different aspects you just mentioned. You know, 2020, holy cow, what a journey. I think the what, you know, employer brand used to be, you know, a company has a brand of their market um, solutions, products, et cetera, like, you know, the brand of Coca-Cola, the brand of Frito-Lay, et cetera. But employer brand is how do you show up to your, you know, your people, your teammates internally? What do they feel like? What what, What do they feel or look at the company as a brand? What keeps them engaged, retained? And then to your candidates or applicants or the world of people or job seekers, what type of company do you show up culturally in the community you know, as priorities, core values, and so forth. So though they are separate, separate and typically employer brand um, sometimes fell within marketing, right? Because they, they're managing the company brand. But more and more, you saw that pull over into HR because they're the people experts, a nice relationship with marketing, certainly. So there's alignment, but really looking at strategies to understand what what is brand, what what what's going well, what can we improve for candidate experience, for employee experience and overall the whole employee life cycle. And I think looking, you know, post-pandemic relationships, connectivity, everything that the pandemic brought and continues to bring, but again, let's hope that 2021 is a little kinder. It seems like it may be hopefully soon. But looking at it's now kind of folded into something called EVP or employee value proposition. And it has kind of a what, a why, a who, and a how. And there's a lot of da- data behind it, as you know. We're, we're both probably data geeks. Um, and so do you, let me know if you want me to kind of go into a little bit of each of those and how it's kind of evolved. Oh, please. Go for it. Sure. So um, EVP, I'll just start calling it EVP, um, Employer Value Proposition. It really seems to be a topic, as you've called it before, around the water cooler of peer HR or talent strategists. Um, So, you know, what is an EVP? 
around a decade or so ago is when people started to kind of use that term, particularly in HR. And it really is defined as the characteristics, benefits, and appeal for working for an organization. And see right there, right? Doesn't that kind of feel, you know, very employer brandish? So in other words, what it is, it's the reward or deal that is struck between you as a, a teammate or employee and the company. And what are those contributions and perks and benefits? And it really, something I always tell um, any delegate or any partner, hiring manager, whatever, is always remember that we are making a business decision as it relates to the people coming in and out of that employee life cycle. But teammates, employees, candidates, people, they're making life decisions. So we want to be really clear and careful that whatever that EVP is, whatever the what is, is really something that makes it an attractive opportunity and motivates them to stay with the company. And then there's a why. And the why is really around that attraction, engagement, and retention that I'm you know, mentioning. And I, people will call me crazy, but um, I remain a little bullish of what our future looks like. And I do think, you know, you and I talked offline recently that things will bounce back. Everything's cyclical. And historically, how you treated employees or how you fortify that employer brand, it's going to be remembered. So while budgets were cut for HR and so forth, you know, my fingers are crossed for your listeners that HR budgets around employer brand um, and the employee experience were not cut because uh, I think that's actually going to be 10 times more costly in the long run. Um, you can't um, just hope on, you know, Bones basic budgets that the creativity of your HR teammates and recruiters that they're going to continue to kind of leave you with a air quotes, best places to work or great places to work kind of company without that investment. And again, statistics geeks, Bureau of Labor, financial services, technology sectors. There's a lot of sectors that are hiring, even with the unemployment rates as they are, up to 30 plus percent still. So you might get a higher quantity of candidates incoming on a job posting, but it doesn't mean they're the right fit or the quality is high. Um, So you really want to be constantly looking at attraction, engagement, and retention metrics. You want to be surveying, you know, why do I love it here? Why do I stay here? And all of that information will continue to build your, your EVP and fold it in, your employer brand, to really drive all your talent management um, strategies. And you want to be, you know, in essence, walking the walk. And then the who is really, you know, new or current talent, those high performers or high potentials. Employee branding is really you know, we, we've talked about this too. It's really about um, not how you're showing up as a company or best places, places to work or an employer of choice, but it's also all about the future for pers- prospective employees, even months or years from now. So it's, I want to stress bold underline, it's incredibly important to your network what it looks like for candidate experience right now, because even an applicant that you did the, hey, we got your resume and, oh, sorry, you're not a fit. Those are walking billboards of your brand. Um, the same thing with engaged employees. They take pride in what they do and who they work for. And those are some of your greatest sourcing strategies to find new talent or you know promotional um, hypos and hypers. Um, but really, you know, focusing, I, I know some folks are still investing in that attraction piece and a little bit in what I call the honeymoon stage of a new hire, but it's, it's much more productive to have a retention interview, if you will, and I'm air quote, quoting, you can't see me, um, versus an exit interview. 
I don't want to know why someone's leaving the organization. I mean, certainly that's helpful, but they're leaving the organization. I want to know why you haven't had one foot on a banana pill and one foot out the door. And then how do I fortify that? Because that current employee base is constantly um, going to remind us. And in turn, we can remind them that where they work, maybe the grass isn't greener. So we're just going to water our own lawn. And then finally um, is the how, because that's important. I'm sure people are like, okay, I get it. It's folded in. These are the changes. But like, how do you go from concept to market with an employee value prop or EVP? And I always have four R's, research, review, recommend, repeat. So research in your wheelhouse is collecting data and feedback, right? Learn what's making the company desirable. You can also look at free surveys that, you know, data is out there from Gallup, Aberdeen, McKinsey, they post stuff all the time, right? And you'll often find, though, in all of those studies, in fact, the last one from Gallup, and I can't remember the other one I looked at, comp, compensation is not a big motivator necessarily. It's at the, it's at the top half, maybe of a top 10 reason people stay, but it's not like a top. It's always development, learning, career growth, culture, values, pride, pride in the product, the company, and then the balance. And, um, you know, it's really about why, why did they come and why are they staying to work here? And then I said, research review, review is that data we talked about, and then looking at that data and really walking the walk. You said, we heard, we did, you know, stop, you know, what, what's happening with, um, how do we revive the current employee population and assimilate to what their needs are, what their impressions are, and re-engage leadership and individual contributors? So it's, it's you know, it's integrated and not just kind of a, excuse, excuse the term, but shut up and row. It's, it's more about, you know, them going bow to, to, to the front. Oh, there, I'm giving away my lack of sail, sailing skills. But if they're running up and down the boat... Um, and just shouting out orders, you're not going to really know what it takes to to get that momentum and keep moving full steam ahead. And then the last two are recommend and repeat. So recommending based on that research um, and that review, what could make you uh, you know different? What makes you stand out? What are employees happy, proud, valued? You know where what, what's getting them to be performance driven? And then create the strategy and the marketing around that EVP or employer brand while consistently and continually measuring response and buy-in. Because measuring by KPIs or data or whatever will help adjust the course and then fine-tune the messaging and audience. And then lastly, repeat. As soon as you think you have a successful uh, employer brand or uh, uh, employee value prop, you know, rolled out and active, you know, Olympic athletes don't stop at one gold medal. You know, how many of them have many gold medals? It's time for you then to learn and optimize and remain competitive. Go back to the beginning, repeat the four R's I just said, um, and leverage all of that as a marketing tool so that you can, can continue to attract and retain top talent and drive that engagement so that it's a competitive edge. You know, I saw in a study um, recently that over... 1 million businesses per year go out of business strictly because of service and engagement. And so that whole life cycle experience, because if your employees are unhappy, in turn, your clients are eventually going to feel, see, or experience that. And I think the ROI of some, you know, building and participating and creating a concrete 
robust EVP strategy is an investment that's tenfold. Whoa. That was a very comprehensive breakdown (laughs) of the EVP. I appreciate all of that. I'm passionate about it. I see. I see. We can all tell. And that was awesome. So looking at all of that, I'm sure there's a bunch of questions that HR leaders have, and I'm going to do my best to try to tease some of those out. So the first one that I was thinking is, when does the EVP begin? And what I mean by that, from a tactical marketing promotional standpoint, where is the first touch point? Is that during the hiring process? Is that yeah, great getting question. things like the best places to work? Is that is that does that mean that I need to have all of these cool, fancy career page videos? What does that look like? You know, there's a lot of free, uh, we've always been budget savvy at all companies I've worked for, small, mid, or large cap, whether multi-million dollar budgets were, or pennies. And there's a lot of creative and free solutions. Again, research is key. Looking at those big four firms that put things out or consulting firms that put things out is always helpful. But you kind of mentioned hiring and where that looks in best places to work. You do have to have at least two things somewhat simultaneous. And that is candidate experience as a huge um, priority because candidate experience, again, those are your walking billboards of whether they experience something good or bad, no matter if, regardless of outcome. And also who you hire and how you hired them fortifies your culture, right? If you want to build a culture of customer service, you're going to be hiring people that have the competencies and behaviors right from the get-go. And you can certainly fortify that with learning and development, but candidate experience the the attraction piece, that's where your bread and butter is of building brand. And then building and creating that brand that uh, fortifies, you know, commitment, engagement, and retention, that you can be working on in that internal piece, a little overlap, sort of like um, singing row, row your boat, right? I'm going to start that first chorus with that candidate experience, that attraction strategy, and I'm going to fold in engagement and then retention and so forth. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, good. So then if that's where it starts, then what does EVP look like throughout the entire life cycle of employees? Because on one hand, you have this thing called internal communications, where you're speaking to your existing employees about your mission, vision, values, culture, how you operate. So are you, I guess what I'm asking is, is the strategy of promoting all those things to your potential candidates the same way and the same exact thing that you're promoting internally to your existing employees? How do you separate the two? Yes, they should make sure that EVP is going throughout the entire life cycle. Yeah, you you absolutely, um, well, you want alignment and you want transparency and authenticity, right? You don't want to message, you don't want to bait and switch, right? You don't want to, you know, you don't want to attract, uh, future um, teammates with something that isn't authentic and real and walking the halls. Particularly when I wear my recruiting hat, I want you to high five me in eight months and say, Oh, I'm so glad I moved across the country to this opportunity. And you know, I love, I love it here. It's everything you said it was, because if that wasn't true, then I'm going to have to backfill you. And that's costly. And frankly, that's not fun for me, but, but yeah, it's going to align. And what's really beautiful is if you work really well with your marketing team, and I'm so fortunate to have one of the best marketing teams uh, here at, at SRS Aquium, is that 
you get to marry some of that brand. You know, what, what am I, what am I selling to clients or how are we showing up and presenting to clients as partners, communication, uh, we don't say no. We say, you know, what can we do? You know, that all of those things and that core values and, and those behaviors and competencies, we we treat that the same because a client or a customer is not just external. It's my teammate that sits two cubes over back when we were on site or on the other side of the Zoom call. And so those those messages all have to be the same. and The strategies have to be similar in likeness. It, it can be an apple and an orange, but it definitely should be from the same fruit basket. You mentioned that HR can have a great relationship with marketing to come together and really create the most strategic and holistic plan around your EVP and promoting it as possible. But it seems that most companies either have EVP or fill-in employer brand sitting directly under marketing or directly under HR. And sometimes they can butt heads, they can be conflict. So our main audience is HR. So we're going to push for HR to own it. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) Uh, Because we're always team HR here at Employee Cycle. So how would you advise HR leaders who are starting to think about this to make it a business case for them to own it? And then if they are not owning it already and it's under marketing, What's the business case for them to take it from marketing? Well, if you like, if you're like me, you just put your foot down, but that may not work. For <laughs> Give um, me no, the I'm totally, <laughs> I'm totally teasing. Yeah, throw a tantrum and then no. I, I really feel that a couple of things would be helpful. Um, data, right? That's speaking your speak and my speak. When you show that that's what constitutes. Uh, a successful um, employer brand, and you can use, you know, specific companies, you can use peers and competitors, whatever that looks like, along with some of those that I just referenced as far as, um, you know, studies and so forth. So that helps. The second thing that helps is building an authentic relationship with your CMO or whomever your, your peer or partner is in marketing and don't take it away right away. Um, again, we're talking to HR audience right now, but I would recommend asking for more involvement, providing more feedback, presenting more fortifying their efforts of their owning it so that they show up shiny and they have and they're like, well, wait a minute. Cause then they're going to say, you're going to get that um, credit, right? And you're going to get respected because you know what you're taught. You're an expert in that space. And eventually you'll be able to uh, massage it from being an expert, you know, variable or supporter of their uh, strategies. And you might slowly be able to creep that over into your ownership and responsibility. I had a wise leader once say, just because you own something doesn't mean you're responsible for it. And so oftentimes, like you pointed out, it may actually be owned by marketing, but sometimes you as HR are responsible for it. And that doesn't always feel great. But I think that with the right research information and a strategy to build upon what they've already been successful with, because frankly, less hurt feelings, right? Less possessiveness, less, 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 and more partnership and then promise, right? There's things that just little nuggets of success, you'll start to gain more and more. As a mom of teenagers, you gain more independence in my house the more you earn the trust, right? So it's sort of the same way. 
Krista, you're dropping all types of gems. I'm trying to write them down. Oh, what's up with me today? I, I, you know, (laughs) I haven't even had my second cup of coffee. I think it's you. I think that your previous podcasts were really helpful to listen to and helpful to me as a leader. And I think, you know, you and I align, I think, on measurement and, and statistics. I think those are important. You know, metrics and data is important. And in, whether it's painful for some of those out there, it really does help you with partnerships and prove your point. Um, no business case is going to work without it. It does. It does for sure. And I appreciate that. And so I want to ask you one more question before you can get your second cup of coffee today. Yes, please. And that, <laughs> that question is around how does your entire EVP strategy change with a fully remote or hybrid workforce? Woo, that is um, That has been a hamster wheel of challenges, right? Haven't we all just had constant cortisol just raging in us. There's no, there's not been, you know, an end in sight. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been a challenge, but we, I am so proud of our tiny, but mighty team in just wearing multiple hats and coming up with creativity and, uh, ways to continue to promote what works well. I mean, little things. I, I, we have been very committed to wellness and community virtually. Um, we've come up with ways that employees can stay connected and be proud of the volunteerism or um, hours spent or whatever collectively or independently virtually in giving back to a community. How, I mean, fulfillment and purpose are two huge factors to consider when you're building an employer brand or EVP to, f- to fortify employer brand. And then the other thing we've been more than dedicated to is wellness. And I don't just mean the, you know, the cookie cutter version. I mean, mental health, self-care, emotional, physical, you know, making sure we have resources and so forth. And the, the, the amount of unsolicited responses we've received from trivia, <laughs> trivia games that, you know, virtually, to um, a 30 by 30 challenge to, you know, remind each other to keep moving or stop and meditate or don't, you know, there's no boundaries for us anymore working remote, right? I mean, you're on at six, you're off at 6 p.m. So, you know, just really, really investing in things to just stay connected and walk the walk on why we put people first and the unsolicited responses of, you know, I feel, I feel like you guys still care about us. I feel like, you know, this was great. My team and I did a challenge, you know, there, those are the individuals that after this, whether they're here or elsewhere are going to talk about, wow, craziest time in my career, but I still stayed connected. I was still proud of where I worked and what I did. I was still recognized. Recognition programs are always good to continue. Peer recognition programs are awesome for virtual situations. To give someone a high five or just let them know that you make my day a better day, those are ways to, to, to adjust to it. So again, there's research, research and resources out there. Look at it. Tweak it for what works for you. Take off little bites so that you're agile to pivot, right? You don't want to like go, this is our strategy, and then go, oh my gosh, it doesn't fit. You want to really review and then, you know, make those recommendations. And then if it's working, you grow it and you repeat, you repeat and you grow it. Krista, thanks so much for being such an authentic, fun, and just overall knowledgeable podcast guest. You really made my day, and I'm sure that. All of the listeners, when they hear this, are going to be hanging on to every word that you said. So thank you so much for being on the Employee Cycle Podcast. Woo! Go, Krista! Thank you.
So where can people find you and SRS Aquium online? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, of course. And then you can find um, Krista Babel or LinkedIn backslash in backslash C Babel. And um, SRS Aquium as well is just www.srsaquium.com. And we will definitely include all of that contact info in the show notes. So if you enjoyed this episode as much as Chris and I did making it, then please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes because that show that we're creating great content and that you like our podcast. Also, if this is your very first time listening and you either came here because you thought the topic was super compelling or you're already a huge super fan of Krista and you just had to hear what she was going to say, but now you're hungry for more Employee Cycle interviews, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.